started recording here. This is the Make America Grape Again podcast, produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Make America Grape Again. I'm your host, Cody Vladimir Burkett, CSW. If any of you drinking, also technically CSW, but I think I'm much more the, uh, what was it? Not sassy. Not sassy. Judgmental graphics designer. And I am James, official flight captain at Vinazona, a wine shop located in Jerome and Sedona. Drop in and try the best of Arizona wine. It's an extremely well-curated collection, uh, Absolutely. I will say. Um, as someone who is not part of Vinazona and is, uh, oh yeah, so a lot has happened since I last recorded. Holy shit. <laughs> um, welcome to the special Apocalypse. Oh, OMG WTF BBQ Apocalypse Edition, um, DEFCON Barolo uh, <laughs> episode of the Make America Grip Again. Uh, we will be focusing on Nebbiolo today as our deep dive, and we do have a Barolo, and it is actually a Barolo from my Apocalypse stash. So, and uh, we also have an, so, long story short, things down south ended horribly. Um, Autumn, Sage, and I burned a bunch of bridges, them against me mostly, uh, and then I came back to Jerome just at the start of COVID, um, and could not get really a job in the wine industry other than doing off-site sales for Laramita sellers, uh, with Greg Gonerman, who honestly at this point is one of the few really good people left in the Arizona wine industry who treats me like a human instead of as a pariah. Uh, the tumbleweeds and ginger are about the only others. Uh, that still seem to treat me as they always have. Um, so I suspect I may have been blacklisted. Um, this happens when you try to kill yourself out in depression. Because, um, yay! It turns out I'm bipolar. <sighs> Although other people who've probably been listening to this for a while are like, fucking knew it. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, also, we have a new guest who may or may not speak um, or make noise. Uh, Pippin, the green-cheeked conure, uh, well, technically a uh, pineapple green-cheeked, sitting on my shoulder here. He may or may not talk uh, and make noise during the course of this podcast, but right now he is definitely much more interested uh, in his nightly beard cuddling. <laughs> uh, so anyway, as I mentioned, this is kind of the apocalypse edition. Uh, Arizona is going under a second temporary lockdown, sort of, um, because the first one was bullshit anyway and didn't even shut down practically anything. Um, because our Arizona governor is stupid! And so we have to do this all fucking over again. Why? Because we are number one for new coronavirus cases. So anyway, yes, Pippin, you can go under my shirt. Crawl in. Or not. Okay. Dear listener, if you hear a blood-curdling scream, it means that Pippin found a nipple. <laughs> or just found me in general. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Megan is... Mildly terrified of birds. Yeah. So we're going to actually start with the Barolo from my Apocalypse cellar. I have two Apocalypse Barolos. One is an 07. This one is an 09. This is the 2009 P. 
Pietro Rinaldi Barolo, uh, a state bottled by Azienda Agricola Pier Pietro Rinaldi, and uh, Madonna di Como, Alba, Italy, which of course is in the middle of Barolo. So the grape here, Nebbiolo, um, is the main grape used to make Barolo, uh, the only grape allowed to make Barolo mm -hmm. anymore. Uh, historically, there was a little bit of Arnais in it once upon a time. Very early on, and then that was changed when uh, Barolo became its own thing. Uh, often described as the king of wines and the wine of kings. And so this is one of the two biggest, most expensive bottles in my apocalypse stash. Uh, I want to say I got this one for 80. Uh, we are, because this is the Make America Grape Again podcast, we will be doing a Nebbiolo from the Valle de Guadalupe in Mexico, which is not the U.S., but... Uh, it is kind of the biggest planting of Nebbiolo in the Western Hemisphere, so I've been told. And then we have uh, the Wait. Godfather. Wait for it. The Godfather, non-vintage, no vintage listed, uh, from Water's Edge Winery in Oklahoma City. Um, Godfather, red wine, Italian Barolo. Um, so what this winery does, and we'll talk more about it when we get to this uh, particular bottle, um, but what they do is basically they source juice and grapes from regions all over the world and make it there. Um, so I have no idea what the condition are of these grapes or that juice when it gets from the Piedmont to uh, Oklahoma City. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. And it is possible that actually this is uh, a chain that's not just in Oklahoma City, but I don't know. Um, but I want to say thank you very, very much to David Delgado for bringing this to me on his, from his Oklahoma trip. Trip. I, I'm not even drunk and I can't talk. <laughs> anyway. It's been a while. It has been a while. So we're going to, what we're going to do is I have this really cool decanter courtesy of Cody Hudson, Hi Ho Silver Girl on Instagram, who's a good friend of ours. Uh, she bought this one as a birthday present for me last year. And since it's my birthday tomorrow, as of the day we're recording this, happy birthday to me. Um, I got sidetracked. The point is, we're going to run every single one of these bottles once through this decanter. And it's a really cool decanter design. Um, basically, you connect it to a bottle that pours in to the decanter, and then you can pour it back in the bottle. And we're going to do that uh, a cycle of one, just so everything is decanted evenly. Um, it may not be the, the most exact thing, and probably some of these should be decanted for an hour or two or three, um, but that's what drinking tomorrow is for. I'm going to crack open this 09. So what are your experiences with Barolo and Nebbiolo, guys? I mean, I went to Barolo. Uh, tell us about that. <laughs> I mean, it was a couple of years ago, um, and I was with family, and well, that's always psychotic. Um, but uh, but it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, just as you would ever imagine it to be. Um, and I mean, the wines were amazing. It was really neat. The first one that we got to go walk through, um, the girl, you know, gave us a kind of tour of the vineyard, and it was really neat the way that they, um, the, at least the vineyard at this place, they didn't let the vines get tall. Um, and I feel like there's a name for that type of growing, but they, I mean, they kept them short and then did the, 
the trellis. I don't. I, I know there's a name, and I don't know it. Yeah, I can't. Remember. I'm not good at remembering trellises. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, they they kept them trained real low to the ground, and I don't remember what the reasoning was for it. Um, but it was really neat to see, and they they kind of yeah, it was just really cool. But they were still, I don't know. I feel like they were tall, but had multiple like rows of the the arms going out. Hmm. You know, it was it was really interesting. Um, and I know they, they just mentioned something about, I, I think maybe having them lower to the ground, less energy required to grow the, um, oh my God, what's the name of the, the trunk? Like the full trunk. Yeah. Maybe because they're shorter, there's less energy going into that and it goes out to the rest of the, the vine, something like that. But that was really neat. Um, I can't imagine harvesting that. That makes my Oh my God, hurt. my back. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, that I'm makes just my thinking back hurt about just it. thinking about it. Um, but the wines were amazing. My God, if you ever get to go taste wine in Italy, do it because they're just such generous people. Um, it was super cool. I mean, they just, they gave us meat and cheese for free. You know, the tastings were free. They were, you know, they wanted nothing from you other than to just appreciate their wines. Um, you know, that was amazing. There was another one that we went to um, that I really wish I could get their wines in this country because they were so good. And um, they had really ancient, like, underground little cellar that they let us go into that was just i mean mushrooms were growing from the walls you know just damp dank oh god it was so cool um but yeah the wines there were amazing um all uh yeah it was all barolo and barbaresco my first barolo experience is comparatively anticlimactic <laughs> i bought a bottle of it at olive garden oh god. oh god <laughs> back in 2006 when oh. i was house sitting for a friend and i just went home and I don't really remember how it tasted. I just like, I'm drinking Barolo. So that sounds really hoity toity, yo. So, but I'm sure that the Barolos present tonight will probably be far, far superior. I would hope so. So, my first Barolo, God, what was my first Barolo? I think I drank it with my old boss at Passion, because he loved Nebbiolo and Barolo, and we drank that, and also, we also had another Mexican Nebbiolo another time from the same winery that this one's from, um, and Gary and I drank that, but that was a very disappointing Barolo, in fact, that uh, his review of it was, um, this, this tastes like finding out that the quote, free, end quote, continental breakfast at your hotel is actually fourteen ninety nine. But this one is rated higher on Vivino, and uh, we'll see. So I am now going to decant the actual, the actual Barolo. So this is... Uh, Should be able to hear that lovely decanting, aerating, the trickle cascade. It's very quiet. It is, but I wonder if we should have a fan on oh. it. Your bird keeps staring at me, and I'm still just certain he wants to eat my soul. He doesn't. Look at him, he's raising his wings. Because he he's going to poop. <laughs> he like got down on your like the very edge of your shirt and was just like staring. He just wants to be petted. Yeah, I want to thank uh, Cody Hudson again for this fantastic decanter. He's super cool. 
But anyway, I tasted it, and I thought it was really good. And then I decided... <laughs> Wait, tasted what? Uh, the Barolo, the first time. And then I decided that since Barolo is known for aging long term, I would get a bottle of Barolo uh, to age for whenever my student loans were paid off. Because you can age them for 40, 50 years not without a problem. Yeah, well, that's about how long that Or Savonniers, or however you pronounce that. Savonniers, yeah. Savonniers. I have like four of them, including two in this room. I love Savonniers. It's, uh, <laughs> hey, I got a bad wine joke. How long does uh, a good Chenin Blanc age? Seven years. Seven years or so. Seven. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'm on my way back from Wilcox, and I stop at Out Total Wine in Gilbert on my way back, and I get myself an ice chest because I want to keep this Brillo cool. And it's I got the most expensive bottle that I could find that was the youngest, and it was 2007. Because the idea is that okay, it's going to age long term. Uh, about an hour after that, I got into a horrible car accident where the car just got totaled. And I remember calling my boss and going, you know, the Barolo is okay. <laughs> I'm okay. My car is fucked. <laughs> so, of course, my priority was the Barolo over myself, which just, uh... Shows what a true connoisseur you are. Yes, and so now we're pouring it back into the bottle. Can you close that door? Uh, yeah, but of course. I mean, we are in an old hospital, but... I mean, it makes sense. It seems fitting for that to just be in the background. But, uh... For those of you uh, who are interested in the supernatural, this building in which our friend the wine monk dwells was featured on an episode of Ghost Adventures several years ago. Uh, you may look that up on YouTube if you just search Ghost Adventures Jerome and watch the whole thing. It's quite fascinating. They did make some contact... Uh, however, as you may or may not know, the monk is somewhat skeptical of such things, which is fine. The only thing I've ever been haunted in this place is by my memories. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Reuben! Oh yeah, well, Reuben is Reuben. Not a ghost, although we thought about turning him into a ghost that night. In all honesty. Alright. Here we go. So this is our baseline for our other wines tonight, and if this wine is great, then that'll be a tragic baseline, because probably nothing else will measure up, because, you know, good Barolo is fucking amazing. Okay, now that was creepy, because I thought I turned it off. <laughs> The ghosts will have to <laughs> Okay. Let's try that again. So if you would comment on the label art. That is her particular, one of her many specialties, I should say. I also poured it into a, a special glass here. And this particular glass, which of course no one can see, even though I'm holding it up, but you know, podcast. It's got an indent on the bottom and an indent on the side, and it's designed to concentrate uh, secondary and tertiary aromas. It's also really useful for haunting wine vaults. It looks like a plastic hollow point bullet. Except it's not plastic at all. It's uh, hand-blown glass. Ah, my mistake. No, it's okay. It does look like plastic, and it's light like plastic, too. Hmm. I forgot that one was glass. I was thinking it was plastic, too, or something. Yeah. 
been a while since we've used it, though. This is true. I do like this label. Um, I mean, it's basic, but still classy. The font that they use for Barolo is nice. I feel like it's a pretty generic font, but it's still one of those, like, eternally classy ones. And it's just kind of got, like, a nice little design to it up in the corner. I'm assuming you'll have pictures of it so people can see. Oh, yeah. But, I don't know. I like it. I mean, it's nothing exciting by any means, but they've, you know, it's not tacky either, which is good because tacky wine labels are the worst. Yeah. And I noticed that the uh, emblem here on the so on the front of the label is the same as that's on the cork. Yeah. Oh, speaking of corks, I still nice. have your Austrian uh, Zweigelt Rosé. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That one is cool. Yeah. That, that has a really cool coat of arms on the bottom. Alrighty, guys. Moment of truth. We gotta do the cheers now because people have been bitching. And then we'll do it at the end. Viva Vino! Oh, classic tart oh. Yeah, this is. Megan has an orgasmic look on her face. Mm hmm. Just smell that all day. Probably put the bird on me and I might not panic. Well, it's part no, I'm just I think this is the first time that I've actually understood the tar smell. Yeah. And so when we, so tar and roses is considered a classic uh, tag team. <laughs> uh, sorry? Uh, heavy metal band. I'm sorry. That's... Actually, that would be a good heavy metal band. Or a good song for a heavy metal and band. And their lead could be Axel Rose. Yeah. Oh, Actually, yeah, that's that, that would be a good song, also a good song name for like a, a wine themed metal band, along with Carbonic Maceration, would be a good uh, yeah. metal song name. But when we speak of tar, and this is going to be something that's really going to resonate mostly with people in probably the American Southwest more than other parts of the world. To me, it makes me think of the smell of the freeway, like I-17 on a hot summer day, like dusty macadam, dusty asphalt, yeah. on a big freeway just going off into the sunset. From the back of a floral delivery truck. From the back of a floral delivery truck. Yeah. But it's definitely got that strong sort of rose and rose hip character. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is the first wine that I've ever actually kind of gotten that off. The rose is distinctive, the tar is distinctive, and yet together they are one. Yeah. Um, and that's a classic character for Nebbiolo uh, across the board, generally. Uh, so if you ever find yourself in a blind tasting and you're coming across a lighter-bodied red, because Nebbiolo, as tannic and heavy as it is, tends to be much lighter in color, like a Pinot Noir. Um, if you're smelling tar and roses, that's kind of a telltale giveaway that you're dealing with. Can I see the brick red color of this? Yeah, this is, uh, well, we're dealing with shitty lightning here. Yeah, this is... Um, but as Barolo re uh, ages, it gets this sort of brick red color. And eventually, you look at old ones. Like, I've seen pictures of Wikipedia of, like, 50-year-old Barolos that are, like, almost like brick red or burnt orange. Wow. And that's probably going to be the case with my other one, uh, if I ever fucking get to it. Uh, although, uh, I have decided that it's going to be for the Apocalypse or my student loans, whichever comes first. And uh, I'm starting to lean towards the Apocalypse coming first I mean, at this point. Have you ever considered that paying off your student loans might be considered a sign of the apocalypse? Oh, shit. Yes, I have, actually. <laughs> um, along with the time where I said uh, the apocalypse will be happening when the Cardinals are in the Super Bowl, and then it happened one year, and I was like, oh, fuck. I'm also getting strawberry. 
trying, there's like a chalky smell. I don't know how to explain it, but like I, there's like a, I don't know. Yeah, it smells much. like chalk dust. Yeah, there, like, but there's like a, like a, there's a fruit and I'm trying to think. Persimmon? I don't think I've ever had one, but I, I'll take that. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I'm getting persimmon, strawberry. There's just, there's a very distinct fruit smell that, like, I can't say I've ever actually had it before. What do you just... smell, Pippin? He's like, I don't know if that's wow. true. He wouldn't squawk. He squawked, so I'm like, I thought he had something to say. <laughs> there is, like, an earthy, like, a almost mildly fresh-cut grass. There it is, but it's very faint. I don't know. I'd get the more, like, if I have to take, like, a deep, like, whiff of it. Well, here... Let's see how these aromas differ in this little glass. Oh, wow. The tar is really prominent. Also wood, like oak, sandalwood, violet, rose. Dear God, you've transformed that into a Chanon. <laughs> it's not the right minerality for Chanon. Chanon, to me, has a lot of graphite. Right, There's no right, graphite right. in this at all. When you start talking about violets popped into my head. Maybe not so much violets, maybe more lilac or wisteria, but it's definitely a purple flower along with the rose. I get wisteria. And a little bit of um, 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 um. No. Um, brain is blanking. A little bit of eucalyptus. Oh, okay. I'll let you try. Maybe that's the green that I just smell. So what you do to hold that glass, by the way, Oh, James, wow, I'm getting the... Sorry. You put that, uh, the two fingers. Two fingers where? Here? Uh, no, no, no. You see the dent? Yeah. You put one finger in there, uh -huh. and then you put the other one in the bottom. Like so. No. No, no, no. And then put your thumb here. Okay. Like this? Like there. Okay. Oh, I see. Yeah, I kind of... Got it. Okay, let's try that again. So that way you've got a balance. This is my first rodeo with this thing, so. Oh gosh, yes. The wood, I'm getting pepper. And yes, there is that definite eucalyptus, but I, uh, I got the wood and I got some pepper too. Wow, this is, this is light years different. Amazing. Yeah, the aromatics are so much more the, the rose and the tar is lessened in my nostrils. Okay, I see. Well, then the, the tar and roses are mostly a primary aromatic character versus, and like I said, this glass is designed to accentuate those secondary and tertiary characters from aging and also fermentation. God, I can't, I almost can't even smell anything on this one. Like this, I don't know. That's funny. Yeah, it doesn't, I don't really get anything on this. Just, it's still, whatever I'm smelling like a shit ton of in the regular glass, I'm getting a hint of on this smaller one. But otherwise, like, I don't know. My nose is like, nope. Yeah, there's a big difference for me. It's a big difference in that, like, I just don't smell anything on that one. That's also, holy tannins, Batman. I just tasted this. Ah. Well, I would hope there's tannins. Ooh. The tar and rose has kind of evolved into molasses for me from that smelling that other glass. Yeah, this is still super tannic. We probably could have decanted this for a good hour or run this through that decanter mm -hmm. multiple times and been fine. But again, we're trying to, for science here, 
However, we do have a secret weapon. Sausage and mushroom pizza. This is true. Oh, yeah. And I've got some more of that Parmesan left over, too. And I mean, Pippin. that's so mildly sacrilegious to have just boring shit Parmesan compared to normal Parmesan Reggiano, but... Pippin is making cheese. very prominent noises here. Yes. As he crawls into my shirt. Uh, listeners, uh, Pippin has crawled into my shirt and was halfway out, and now he's almost completely in my shirt. Just the tail, just his tail is sticking out. Man, that sucks the moisture out of your mm -hmm. gums. Very tart, magical. tart cherry. Yeah. This is a good Barolo. I have to concur. Yeah. This is stellar. But to be frank, I, I don't remember the last time I had a Barolo. I, I don't remember anything about the Olive Garden Barolo, which is probably just as well, but I don't I don't remember the last time I had a Barolo. When was the last Nebbiolo you had? Was it the one that Passion had for a while, or? Probably. Or was it the one, were you at Megan's party last year? Yeah. Oh shit, that's right. Yeah, that one that still said the, the bottles on my... Yeah, that, which was not was... a Barolo. But it was a Nebbiolo. Oh god, that was so good. Fuck. Yes, you were at my party last year. I will say that I think that that one is better than this one, from I what I like remember. I feel like I remember liking that one better. But this is still fucking no, delicious. No, this is really nice. And I, I, I gave you a Barolo for a birthday present, did I not? This year, yes. Okay, good. I brought that, but I don't think we're going to get to it. No, we're not. And that's kind of a, it was going to be a backup bottle in case this one was corked. Well, this is just fine to me. Okay. I get the cherry. I get a little eucalyptus. Yeah, the tannins are there, but it's not. Oh, ridiculous. let's. Uh, we we have the wine folly book. Um, not the magnum edition because my magnum edition copy has mysteriously disappeared. But uh, this one actually has the taste wheel, and so we can go through these and kind of see which ones we taste. Sure, it'll be wheel helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Rose, cherry, leather, clay pot. That's a new one. And I could see that. Anise. It does have that anise character. Anise. Anise, anise. Better than anus. No, that's pinotage. <laughs> Cinnamon. Hmm. I'm not getting... I, I'm not getting much in the way of spice. No. Other than a little bit of sandalwood. Um, if you pointed a gun to my head, I might say there's a little bit of nutmeg in here, but... Mm. I like that dragon fruit is one of the characteristics, as if dragon fruit had flavor. Yeah, I don't think it really does no, have flavor. No, it doesn't. It's like the coolest looking fruit ever, and it tastes like nothing. I bought one once strictly for... I was like, it's so cool, and it's at Walmart for like a dollar or something. And they're so neat looking, and yeah, it tastes like nothing. Like, it's not fair that something that cool can just be so boring. I'm trying to decide, like, because I almost feel like I'm getting a little bit of vanilla. So I can see vanilla. Yeah, like I'm getting a bit of it on the nose. I definitely got it, especially in that glass, because that was the, the oak imparting its yeah. aromatic character. This is still recording. Yes, it is. Okay. Definitely a cherry eucalyptus. Yeah. Mm. Cherry eucalyptus tar and roses, I would say, are the four big ones to yeah. take from this, other than intense leathery tannins. Um, yeah, the tannins leathery and woody tannins. Yeah, those tannins are 
I mean, that just takes every, like, my cheeks. Yeah. My gums, like, everything. Like, that's... This was drier than a Britishman's sense of humor. <laughs> really? He thought that was funny. He did think it was funny. He goes, ha I wonder if you'll be able to hear any of the, any of his noises. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to find out when, uh, when I'm editing. Right now, he is definitely ensconced in my shirt because this is normally when he starts to get really tired and wants to go to bed. So he's like, I want dark. So he's going into uh, <laughs> hibernation mode. Well, not hibernation mode, but in darkness mode. Where did my corkscrew go? Uh, I don't know. That's weird. I literally just had it. Oh, it's between your legs. Oh. Yeah, I really, I really dig this. I do, yeah, too. I mean, it definitely needs food, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I think we should. Do, do we want to try it with the? Yeah. Okay, let's uh, take by pizza. Because we should all save uh, the pizza, uh, some of the pizza for uh, each one, I think. Yeah. So, oh. Would you be, oh wait, no, maybe I have three plates here. <laughs> I do. Mark's supposed to win. Okay, so let's each grab a piece. Of the pizza. If in your claws are digging into my chest. Piece of pizza. Mm. A sausage mushroom. Now I get a lot of wood. I'm not a big mushroom fan, so it kind of overpowers the wine almost yeah. for me, but. I mean, it works, but. It's not the best pairing. We did have a barbecue chicken pizza earlier that we ravenously devoured. But alas, there was nothing left to. But that also worked really well with that Zweigelt uh, Rose that we had as a palate uh, primer. No. The one with the sausage on this pizza is yeah. fucking golden. But the mushroom, I feel like, kind of adds. A little bit too much to the earthiness. But I mean, sausage with a fucking Italian yeah. wine, no matter what you do, it's just gonna work. So I am told that uh, in the original book for Silence of the Lambs, the pairing was uh, a Barolo mm. uh, and fava beans and liver. Um, and then it was changed in the film to Chianti because Chianti, more people knew and could resonate with. I'm sorry, it just sounded creepy to hear him say Chianti. Yeah, that's true. That just upsets all of us wine people. Yeah, it's Chianti. Chianti. So I would definitely give this a five-star rating if you, on Vivino. If you Google it, Maynard Keenan has commented upon the best wine pairing 
with human flesh. I'm sure he does. <clears throat> and I think he, he did say Barolo, didn't he? He may have. He may have indeed. I, I mean, honestly, if I was going to eat the rich, uh, a good fatty rich person, like one of the Koch brothers, maybe. Oh, no, uh, they're thin and wrinkled and shriveled oh, that's and true. gamey. No. Who's a fat rich person? Yeah, I don't know. Well, the point is, uh, for, you know, eating someone wealthy, uh, uh, this could be a good pairing. It definitely is a very rich wine. Uh, almost decadent in that character. It's magnificent. Truly. And I thank you for sharing it with us this yeah. evening. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a weird hellhole of a year, so it's time well. to break out an apocalypse bottle. Here's to bad times and good wine. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. It's delicious. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Why is it that men can't keep their mouths shut when they... I did. I didn't open my mouth. That one. There you go. Happy? Yes. Just make sure you redirect it out your nose. It's all good. Right? It just blows my mind. Bunch of heathens. I used to master, have mastered the art of sneezing with my mouth shut. That hurts, though. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and if you're good at it, it, it works. Oh, well, that, that's a skill then, yeah. I, I do, every once in a while that happens, and I'm like, oh, God, it just hurts your entire, like, just chest up. Like, yeah, everything. It's like, oh, God. It's almost like you pull a back muscle or right. pop a vertebrae out of alignment. <laughs> Ooh. So, what would be the difference in taste between a Barolo and a Barbaresco? To me, Barbaresco tends to be much lighter in color. Okay. Uh, it tends to not be as woody. To me, it's not quite as tannic either. Because um, they're not aged as long, right? I don't think so. I feel like that's the... You should Google that. I do have a Barbaresco in the apartment, but it is currently uh, spoken for. Okay. Uh, uh, no worries. That was just a theoretical question. We but, got uh, no, it's a good question. We should answer that while we've got our Nebbiolo deep dive going instead of like coming back to it later. Um, but from my experience, uh, Barbaresco is a little bit lighter bodied, a little bit less tannic, a little bit brighter on the fruit notes. I this mean, one, however, is more dignified. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what this, what this says. Uh, both wines are light in color and smell delicate. They are complex and have a long finish, but in the mid-palate you can taste the difference. A Barolo wine will taste fuller, while a Barbaresco wine is much brighter. Uh, the soils of Barolo and Barbaresco are both rich in lime and clay. Uh, I didn't actually open article that was just kind of a little introduction thingy. Yes, I am 18 years of age or older. Oh, I wonder what happens if you click no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told you about the, so the, the winery, there's a winery in California, not that I want to call them a winery, because basically they make quote unquote wine. 
Um, their wines were actually really good when I first found them, um, but now they make, you know, pot wine. Uh, so they remove the alcohol and infuse it with marijuana. That's horrible. Is, yeah, it's fucking stupid. But their website is genius because if you hit no, you're not 21, it immediately takes you to the website for One Direction. (laughs) 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 Fucking amazing. Because I like, I just, I accidentally clicked no and I don't even, like, I just like was reading, I think just the way that the buttons were lit or something just immediately hit no and suddenly I'm on the One Direction website. I was like, where did I, (laughs) what did, I don't understand. So I stole that idea a little bit. For the Oak Creek website. <laughs> also the One Direction, or? No, I came up with something better. Oh? So, if anybody wants to test that one out. Uh, I'm doing a backup recording on my phone, so I don't want to uh, mess that up. So that's up to you. All right. <laughs> I'm your huckleberry. Well, hopefully it'll work. It's kind of one of those things where it seems like it's, it's hit or miss, depending on how it wants to go, but... It amuses me. Um, yeah, just do Oak Creek Vineyards.net. Um, let's see. There it is. Oak Creek Vineyards. It's .net. Because I don't know why. .net and. Is it gonna work? Oh. Are you at least 21 years of age? I am not. So what's gonna happen? Is it even going to let me say I am not? It's not? Oh. oh, wait, no. Don't say it. If it plays. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I laughed my ass off for like days. <laughs> All right, that's that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I sat there and I was like, okay, what do I do that's better than the One Direction website? I was like, I got to, and I was like, how? Oh, I'm like, I don't know, like, I'm like, ah, oh, tweens, other tweens. I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm going to re roll everyone. <laughs> I mean, granted, there's probably almost no one that ever hits that button, but if they do, <laughs> I got you. I'm glad that it worked on the first shot because I didn't because I'm like I did it to my boss and it just played an ad first. So I was like, no, it ruined it, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> so principal synonyms for uh, Nebbiolo. Uh, Chiavanesca. Oh yeah. Uh, I think it's Chiavanesca. Chiavanesca, you're right. Uh, Picon Picon Tenero. Pic, I'm sorry. Pico Tenero. Pico Tenero. Or pico uh, pico tenere, prudence, cunant, spana. I remember spana. Spana is the one that uh, I think ours is uh, that we had for your birthday last year. Oh okay. Oh, I thought that was what the British called a wrench. A spana, spana in the works. So, I guess we, well, let's read this after we got the, uh, number two, which I can start opening. 
Okay, I literally just had my... Okay, there it is. Like, I literally just had the corkscrew and just lost it again. This one's going to be tough to top, but I am interested to taste the difference in terrain and... Oh, yeah. This is the Mexico one? Yes. I have faith in this one. Because that one, whatever the fuck that was that we had that one time from Mexico, oh my god. Yeah. I don't remember what it is, I just It was a rosé. Well, I remember it was a rosé, but what was it? What was it? A rosé of Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh. From the oldest vineyard in the New World. Fuck, that was so good. It was. Jesus. Yeah, that was the first bottle that we downed That may have been my first Mexican wine that I ever had in my life. Yeah, I think me too. I'm just like, so this will be my fifth, fifth Mexican wine. My second Mexican Nebbiolo. Cinco Drinco. Yes, this is my Cinco Drinco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess there really wasn't anything to read on the back of that Nebbiolo bit. The bottle was there. Uh, the wine spoke for itself. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting. It's like, this says, you know what this is. You know what the grape is. You know everything about it. You know it's Barolo. Just enjoy. Mm-hmm. That's what the label pretty much implies? Yep. Yeah, because all it says is Barolo. Oh, this region, oh, and then the name of the winery. They're like, we don't give a shit. It's like, yeah, if you don't know what Barolo is, uh, why are you drinking this? Uh, oops. Sorry. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Nebbiolo doesn't work with that song at all, actually. It's funny, Darby told me that I should have cut it to start at the exact point where it says, um, uh, you know the rules, and so do I. Because that's what it's like, 21. Yeah. I was like, that's actually pretty fucking good. I should probably that was the cork being opened, not the bird. <laughs> That's actually a pretty cool cork. I did put a bird down. He's right here. He's just huddled in my shirt. Oh. His head is peeking out. Oh. Under my beard. So I'll pass this cork around. Pretty. Where did I put the decanter? There we go. Pass the corky to the right hand side. Okay, I'm gonna... The part doesn't smell nearly as good as the other one. La Chip. Although this one is much younger too. So the Valle de Guadalupe, where this comes from, is actually the most prominent wine region in Mexico. Uh, it's where most of the wines of Mexico are being grown. And I am told it is home to one of the largest plantings of Nebbiolo outside the Piedmont. Hmm. Whether this is true or not, I have not been able to confirm. But uh, this is our private reserve. I'm going to wait to talk more about it when I'm not reading the bottle upside down. It's the L.A. Seto Private Reserve 2000 and... 
Fifteen. Is that how you're going to pronounce that? L-A-S-E-T-O? Well, how would you pronounce it? Are there dots in between? Is yes. it just L-A? Oh, okay. What is that? I mean, I would... I mean, it's Mexican, so I don't... Valle? Are we talking about Valle del Guadalupe? No. No. So I thought it was La, like L-A, but it's L period, A period, so... Oh. It's L-A, but I mean, I would have pronounced that Cetto, but then again, that's if it was actually Italian. Which... I mean, it could be an Italian family. It, yeah. it sounds like immigrants to me. Uh, why don't you uh, google fly that um, and see how that would be pronounced in Spanish? Okay. So I, for one, was not personally aware of just how important our wine region was located on the Baja Peninsula. Is that where it is? Yeah. That, that's interesting. I wonder when they first started cultivating wine there. Um, grapes, I should say, wine grapes. I want to say fairly recently, okay. compared to other regions. Um, again, I cannot Google this because my phone is doing a backup recording, and I don't want to screw it up. Wine stalker. <laughs> <laughs> I highly appreciate that name. Um, well, we're looking for how it's pronounced. Yeah, Why not? I don't know. To... Just for the record, this is the same sound the toilet my parents' house makes in the middle of the night. That's not very appetizing. No. Okay, I was right. Yeah, Cheto. Okay. Yeah, Mexico's largest winery, Tijuana-based, L.A. They have a tasting room in Tijuana. Interesting. I don't know this. I mean, Wine Spectator. Trying not to make donkey Tijuana show based. comment. Trying not to make donkey show comments. No, I actually walked into their tasting room and when I was visiting a friend who lives in Tijuana. Uh, my friend, who was an expat in Tijuana at the time, wanted me to take home the woman behind the bar because she thought that he thought that she was cute. And I mean, she was, but I was more interested in the wine, which upset him for some reason. Oh. Like, this is me we're talking about. This was even before I was involved in the wine industry. Alrighty, here we go. Moment of truth. Spanish, I believe that is El Momento del Verdad. Sure, we'll go with that. So who wants to read the back of the label? I'll do it. <clears throat> okay. Light. Aziz, light. Thank you, much better. L.A. Chetto, private reserve. Luis Agustin Chetto offers this special reserve from his vineyards in the Guadalupe Valley. Luis Chetto carries on a long tradition of fine winemaking and has brought worldwide recognition to Baja California with his excellent wine. This L.A. Chetto Nebbiolo has been aged for 12 months in French oak barrels and is bottle-aged for two years in our cellars. It has a deep ruby color and rounded body, which creates a perfectly balanced wine. 
There you are. Sir. I wonder if that's the same as the minimum requirements for Barolo. I don't think so. Or maybe... Because I think Barolos have to be aged. Wait, how long did it say that was aged in, in 12, barrels for? 12. 12 months. Oh, okay. I think it's like five years for actual Barolos or something. Barolo Reserve. The reserve of Barolo is... Well, Five years. Come on. Oh fuck! I put this. But I mean, on. in order to have the barolo, like, because I know that was the one of the things that the gal talked about when I was actually there was just, and I, I mean, I vaguely remember from studying. It's just like just how intense it is, you know, all the different things because the vines themselves have to be okay. A certain amount of a certain age in order to be barolo, and then the aging, like they have to be aged in this barrel for this long. And I almost feel like it's two different barrels, and then they have to be aged in bottle for a while too, and like all these different fucking Italians, man. There's so according to Wikipedia, uh, I I went and made a risk of possibly losing the recording on the phone. Uh, Barolo needs to be aged for at least thirty-eight months after the harvest before release, of which eighteen months must be in wood. When subjected to the aging of at least five years before release, the wine can be called a reserva. Oh, okay. So let's. See Barbaresco. I was like, I knew there was five years in there somewhere. Played by John Travolta and Walt. Welcome back, Cotter. Uh, Curious. Okay. DOCG DOCG God damn it. I swear I can fucking read. DOCG regulations stipulate that Barbaresco wines must be aged for a minimum of two years, at least nine months in oak, prior to release, and aged for at least four years to be a reserva. So this is kind of, I guess, made in between a Barolo and Barbaresco? Not quite, because it's not even... It was only aged, what, three years? A Barbarolo. A Barbarolo. So this was three years total. And two in bottle uh, and a year in oak. Yeah, I feel like the at least three years I don't like the nose on this at all. Yeah, it's light years different than the one It's so heavy was. smelling. It's so heavy. It's like, it's definitely tar heavy rather than uh, a balance. Tar. It's not bad. It's not a horrible nose by any stretch of imagination. It's just really tomato, stark. wood. Yeah, it does have a sort of a tomato thing going on. I almost on. got a little tomato off the other one, though, but like in a fresher way. Like this almost is more like roasted tomatoes. Yeah, Whereas like spaghetti like sauce, a marinara sauce. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm not smelling any of the typical floral characters off the bat. Maybe it'll show up in the other glass. There's almost a bit of like a basil-y. Yeah, it does. It smells like tomato sauce. The palate is nice, though. Grab some spaghetti. Next to no tannins, though, compared to... Yeah. That's so different. Tannin-wise, there's like next to no tannins here. Megan made a face. I would say that this would be a solid 3-5. Yeah, just not. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. I I get this burst, this quick burst of flavor on the palate. Yeah, it doesn't have a. Yeah, it doesn't have a lingering finish. No, at all. 
the tannins are very upfront. Like I feel like it takes moisture a little bit from like the tip of my tongue, but nothing else. I don't know how else to explain that one, but. Well. Like, I get tanginess. Yeah. Yep, there's like a tanginess on the back, but like, but it doesn't take moisture from you. It just, it, like, the tip of my tongue gets dried out a bit, but it, on the back of, and the sides or whatever, it's that, just like the... All the action seems to occur on the top surface of my tongue. There's yep. not much activity going on on the sides. Passing around the, uh... Well, this ought to be interesting. The glass. <clears throat> I'm also going to go for the food pairing here. Could I have another piece of pizza, please? Man, my nose is just smelling some weird shit tonight. Well, I guess I was tasting weird stuff. Thank you. All right, here we go. Let's see. Oh, this uh, this smells like a Las Vegas casino to me. <laughs> Mark that one down for the ages. <laughs> what would you care to explain? I, I mean, I think you just have to understand what a Las Vegas casino, like, I mean, I'm all for that smell. I don't, I mean, I, that is the smell of happiness to me. Just walking downstairs from your hotel room. Boy, that sure tastes weird with the pizza. And you, and you walk out of the, or either you go downstairs or you, you know, you, you step out of the, the elevator and it's just like, there's the cigarette smell. And just the smell of all the people and whatever weird shit they've been doing. I haven't night. been to Vegas in 22 years. I'm having to really search my memory banks. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. My heart broke when I found out that Vegas closed for COVID. I mean, it made sense, but I was just like, oh god. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you really just. I feel like Vegas is just—it's a smell. The street is a smell. The hotels are a smell. The, but but the casinos like. It's cigarettes and dirty people and all the shit that they've picked up from the floor that's just ingrained in the carpet forever. Like, <laughs> the smell of old metal on the, on the, on the, the slot machines. <sighs> it's an evocative smell. And having been to Vegas once or twice, I, I get it. But I'm just, just like trying to... Smells like a. It kind of smells like a Vegas casino. Like, but but if your drink that you're walking around with is a glass of wine. Okay. Like. You're in a casino with a glass of red wine. Vegas casino. I don't know if it's the pizza, but the fruit is starting to come out. Oh, I need to do the this thing right. Oops. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Um, I mean, it could also just be my Vegas. Yeah, there's a, there is. I kind of agree. There is a hotel quality to it. I think it's like, but there's that, like that cigarette smell a little bit too. Yeah. Like, cigarette and cigar smoke and. Yeah, like a smokiness and just like a stale, but still kind of fresh because apparently Vegas, like they, they like each hotel creates an aroma and they just pump that through the rooms. I did not know that. It's fucking cool. Yeah, huh. no, there's, there, and there's a company, there's, so there's a one company that just, you know, the, the owners of the hotels or whatever, like, they'll create an aroma that they want their hotel to smell like, 
and they'll pump it through all the rooms and through all the casinos. And so apparently each one has a different smell. And next time I go, I'm going to try and pay attention to see if I can tell the difference. Because, I mean, cigarette smoke typically kills everything. Now but it's taken on a tobacco-y, bell peppery, right? see? underlying strawberry. Yeah, there's strawberry here, strawberry raspberry. Whoa, yeah, that's all I smell now after that one. It's just strawberry. Wow. Holy shit. It's changing rapidly. Oof. Ooh, I think we may have been a little too hasty. It evolved very nicely. I'm liking where this is going. I just don't want to smell the, the, the glass for my Vegas. I'm sorry. It's okay. It is definitely changing for the better. I just gave it an extra star. I'm still not. I had it two and a half. I think I might give it three and a half now. I won't say that this is a bad one. It's just compared to the Barolo, it's a little bit... Yeah, that, that was the standard. That set the standard, yeah. that first wine. I just... It felt wrong to drink that after drinking a bunch of other stuff. Because your palate will be shot. You're not going to appreciate it the same. Right. But this is opening up. I'm liking where this wine is going. So when you're done with that pizza. Mm -hmm. I finished it. There's probably, what, one piece left in there? Yeah. All right. I'm saving that for... That's yours. The Godfather. Hey, the Godfather. You oh, give me this. Left? Okay. You give me this one on this day, the day before my birthday. But uh, we That's need right. Megan to do her judge the label. judgmental label discussion. I'm actually really okay with this one too. Um, it's this. I, I like the paper. Yeah, it's okay. also got a folder to it or a, a texture to also, it. I'm trying. I'm like, I feel like the, the so the paper on the other one. Is nice, but it's flat. Yeah, it's flat, and that, and I feel like there's a place for that, and that's fine. But this one, actually, this is a sexy paper. <laughs> Graphic designer, but like it's got a little gloss to it, which I really appreciate. It's got a little texture to it. It was really nice. Like I feel like the fonts all match. It's got their little. I'm assuming that's their little logo, which is really pretty. Is that the same that's on the cork, too? Probably. Let's take a look. Mm, no. Huh. No. I don't think so. Maybe something semi-similar, but not quite the same. But, yeah, no, I... The paper's good. It's got... Yeah. But they got this little, like, gold sheen on, like, a portion of it. Other than that's the part where it's like imported from Mexico and da 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 da. Yeah. Like it looks classy and high end. It does. It really does. Like I'm, yeah. Like this is one of, like if, if you're one of the types of people that judge wines, you know, you buy it for the label. Like this isn't exciting by any means, but it's definitely like this stands out. That little bit of gold makes it pop. Like I'm, I'm for it. It's got the little product of Mexico stamp to it, but it's not fully on. Like they have a little bottom piece cut off. Oh, I like it. I think it's good. It's pretty. The back is nice too. Uh, so this bottle is twenty five ninety nine. 
So probably about a f just over a quarter oh, of the price of that it's other. It's so changed. Oh my god. It reminds me of a Xenomavro that I particularly. No, I could see that Xenomavro. So Xenomavro, I've often described. For those who don't know what Xenomavro is, um, uh, are tuning into this podcast. Xenomavro is a Greek grape varietal. Um, very old, not as old as some of the Georgian varietals, but old. Um, people used to think it was the same grape as Negro Maro, but genetic evidence disproved that. Um, I've often described the flavor of Zinomavro when people ask as, like, if you did a 50-50 blend of Nebbiolo and Syrah, uh, to kind of describe that flavor. I don't know if you've ever had a Zinomavro. That was the one you gave me a bottle of, right? No, I don't. Or wait, maybe I did. When we went to up the creek. I it feel may like have I, been. I think that's what that was. It, so I've, yes, I've it was. Yes. Recently, and I remember it. Be, I wish I would have actually rated it, but I was drinking it with a couple friends at an outdoor rave. Somehow, um, but there were wine industry people, and I wanted to make sure I shared it with wine industry people. Yeah. I remember it being very earthy. Like yeah. super earthy, very tannic. Like I really enjoyed it. They really enjoyed Zeno it. Xenomavro so is Greek for black acid. Well, well black, black sour technically. Oh, okay. Uh, if we want to be, if I want to use my uh, two years of biblical Greek, <laughs> uh, which are hard earned in the hell of Holy Cross Hell and at college. <laughs> Yeah, this kind of reminds me of a lighter, less tannic Zinomavro. Now I'm really liking it. Yeah, it's opened up quite a bit. This caterpillar turned into a butterfly. Just needs some time. Still like the label better than the wine. That's okay. <laughs> I still like the Barolo better. Well. But still. Yeah, well, yeah absolutely. But. Well, yeah. You know, I will say that uh, the last, as I mentioned before, the last vintage I had of Nebbiolo, which was from the same winery, uh, it was a 12 or 11. Uh, Gary said that uh, it tasted like finding out that the continental breakfast uh, at your hotel was actually $14.99. So, you know, it's like it promised a lot, but didn't deliver much, basically. And I remember that one being very rather disappointing, and that one was definitely much worse than this. Uh, I think that if I had had this at that time, instead of the one we had, I would have been much more keen on Mexican Nebbiolo. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel like there's no comparison. No, this is a totally different one. No, yeah, it's like, a different animal. And I think at the same time, it's not trying to be a Mexican Barolo either. I think it's consciously trying to be its own take. It's trying to be a Mexican Nebbiolo rather than a Barolo made in Mexico. Um, which is what I think was the crux of what we felt of the previous vintage of this, is that it was a vintage that was trying too hard to be something that it was not. Mm -hmm. This, meanwhile, is something that is being what it is. Yes, it's not as good as a Barolo, but it's not bad. It's its own unique thing. Right. And speaking of Barolo and Nebbiolo, uh, before we get to The Godfather... <laughs> Uh, take the gun, leave the cannoli. Uh, or is it take the cannoli, leave the gun? I can't remember. Anyway. 
shape the gun needs a cannoli, man. Uh, I need a light. Unless you would rather read. No. Okay, in that case, uh, we will let... Uh, uh, um, wow, brain not good for smart making. That guy. That guy over there. Right. We'll let James read. Because <laughs> right. we've all seen how well I've been reading tonight. Jesus Christ, yeah, son of God, I'm hurting on the center. All right, here we go. So this is the ceremonial reading for the big jig jug. Wow, I can't even fucking talk, and I'm not even drunk. Here we go, Debbiolo, Piemonte, arguably Italy's most revered wine grape. Very old variety, capable of producing perfumed, expressive, age-worthy wines of great beauty. Principal synonyms. I've already gone through the principal synonyms. Very good, synonyms. very good. Let's just go down to the meat of the matter. Mm, Origins meat. and parentage. While the vast majority of sources give 1268 as the earliest mention of Nebbiolo, the original reference to Nebbiolo is in fact in a document in the Archivio de Stato di Torino, kindly provided by its director, Marco Carassi, who identified it as Camarale Pimante, Articulo 65, Paragrafo 1. Uno, probably. Uh, Conti della Castellana. Okay, that's enough. It's just a document. Details of this document. <laughs> are given by the historian Sibrario in 1833 in Rivioli, Conto de Umberto de Balma, Castellan of Rivioli, which was also the site of a major Napoleonic battle, obtained 626 sectarius, or 338 liters of wine, including 306 from the great named Nibiol. Uh, and then there's a Latin phrase, Vini receptus de exito vincarum de nebol hocano. And that's from the State Archive of Turin. Uh, several subsequent mentions in the 13th and 14th centuries confirm Nebbiolo as one of the oldest and most widespread varietals, uh, varieties of Piemonte. 1292 in Alba, 1295 in Camarano Casasco, uh, 1303 Three in Canale and in Moncaliari, 1304 in Asti, 1311 in Chieri, 1324 and 5 in Moretta, uh, 1327 and 8 in Almese, 1328, 29 to 9 in Bricarazio, and 1380 in Pinarolo. So there's lots of different synonyms for Nebbiolo over, these, over that particular span of years. Uh, <clears throat> the most important synonyms of Nebbiolo also appear early in the literature. Prudent in 1309, Schiavonesca in 1595, Spana, which is not an English wrench, in 1466, <laughs> and Picotendro in the 19th century. Now, as a, as a side note, I named my last character in Skyrim, who was a dark elf mage, Spana Schiavonesca. <laughs> Now here's the meaty part of the article. The name Nebbiolo derives from Nebbia, Italian for fog, probably referring to the thick natural bloom covering the ripe berries as if they were covered in a layer of fog. This etymology is more convincing than the alternative suggestion that the name refers to the fog that covers the Piemonte hills when these late ripening grapes are harvested. Grape names are more likely to refer to the characteristics of the plant 
rather than the local climate. Makes sense. The same etymology applies to the synonym prunent, most probably derived from prune, a bloom, than from prune, a plum, although some authors suggest that it's a reference to the tradition of cultivating grapes together with plum trees. Chiavarasca derives from the city of Chiavenna in the province of Sondrio in Lombardia. I don't understand growing grapes with plums. That makes no sense. Not to mention, I'm not getting any plum flavors off of any Nebbiolo. And you could probably dedicate an entire pr uh, program just to reading up this article about Nebbiolo. So I think maybe we could stop here. Probably. Yeah. It's a, it's a meaty article for sure. In oh, this yes. meaty entry in this book. So anyway. Um, just if there's any other highlights, uh, read away. I'm looking at what the wine tastes like. It talks about it being intensively cultivated in southern, central, and north Piemonte. Around Lange, Roro, Aste, Carema, Biela, Novara, and around Vercelli. Uh, although it constituted less than 8% of the Piedmontese vineyard in 2001. Um, then other regions, they talk about Solaris. Uh, let's see. 330 hectares, 338 hectares in northern Piemonte, the lower part of the Valle d'Osta, and it is even grown in the region of Gaiura on the island of Sardinia. Huh. Fascinating. I don't know that there was any in Sardinia. All right, so let me finish off with this. Because it ripens so late, and because of the quality and market value of its wines, Nebbiolo is given the best hillside sites, usually facing south or southwest. It's fussy when it comes to soils, too, and produces the finest wines when planted on calcareous marls to the north and south of Alba on the right bank of the Tanaro in the DOCG zones, DOCG zones of Barbaresco and Borello, respectively. Nebbiolo is rivaled only by Pinot Noir in its ability to express the subtleties of different terroirs, which is why these two zones have been so assiduously divided into named crews. But, in very general terms, unadulterated Nebbiolo tends to be light in color, turning orange with bottle age, as Cody mentioned earlier, uh, rather faster than most other red wine varieties, to be high in both acid and especially tannin. And here we go, and to exhibit a haunting array of aromas, which might include tar, cordite, leaf mold, dried cherries, licorice, violets, and roses. Cordite explosives. Yes. <laughs> I think that pretty much sums things up. Again, like you said, a very meaty article. Yes, this is huge. That's what she said. And then I woke up. <laughs> oh, let's see how this is developing. The finish is definitely a little longer now. I'm really digging it now. Yeah, it's pretty good now. It's Again, it's not... It's not Barolo. No. And a blind tasting, I would still probably call this a Nebbiolo. Mm -hmm. Or a Zenomavro, right. honestly. One of the two. I would probably be hard-pressed to actually say which of the two it was. Um, although, if I could see this in daylight in a better lighting situation, I might be able to decide between the two. Because Zenomavro is pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but this is fun. It's better than the last Mexican Nebbiolo I had by a long yep. shot. 
Uh, this doesn't taste like a... It doesn't taste like disappointment. Um, it doesn't taste quite as exuberant, but I honestly think Megan said it best when she said Las Vegas Casino because a lot of people, there's one thing that a lot of people have in Las Vegas Casino, and that's hope. I see what you're doing. It tastes like hope. No, but there's a... There's a, uh, It's optimistic. I see. I see what you're saying. It's not like exuberantly optimistic, but it's optimistic. It's cautiously not, optimistic. It's yeah. It's cautiously optimistic. It's not like yeah, I've got ten million dollars. I just won from the slot machine. It's like, but you know, it's like I could get this one. I could get it. As you spin the as you spin the roulette wheel. Even though I was making a sign of a slot machine. <laughs> This wine has gelled nicely. Yeah. All the components have come together more harmoniously. I honestly wish I could have decanted this longer, too. Um, but, you know, we got to do what we got to do to make this fit time. And so we're not doing this over three hours. Instead, we're only recording over an hour-ish. I was going to say, it's been a while. Yeah, one one twelve. Okay. But versus, you know, a long... We could have, but we didn't. It's all right. I kind of liked the, the the transformation, the journey. That yeah, this is this has made a nice journey. Exp- experience that. All right, guys, are we ready for the Godfather? Absolutely. Watch this one be amazing. I I would be. I mean, so ostensibly, the nearest I can tell is that these are grapes. Of Nebbiolo that came from Barolo. Which, I mean, at that point, it's not really American wine anymore. True, it's not. But there's a lot of wineries that do this in the U.S. that are urban wineries. They'll get the grape from elsewhere. Other countries... They say that. They say that. Also, that doesn't necessarily mean they did. But also, think, look at it this way. Who the fuck is growing Nebbiolo in Oklahoma? Certainly not successfully. I mean, you could have gotten Nebbiolo from California. Yeah. Potentially. It could just be grapes. I mean... Like, yeah. Oh, synthetic cork. It's wine. I hate synthetic cork. It's wine. I hate synthetic cork. I mean, I understand that it's more environmentally friendly, and you have less risk of corking, but just synthetic cork is just so disappointing. It is disappointing. Totally unrelated, but... Apparently the very last bottle of Carmenere we had to open for tasting was was corked. Well, at least it was the last one. Yeah. Oh God, I still have that that uh, red, or what is it, the raspberry Merlot? Yes, you do. Oh, every once in a while, like as I'm just digging through my my wine fridge, being like, what do I have? And I pull that out and go, oh, oh God, I got to do something with that soon. <laughs> I'm looking forward to. Uh, what you're doing. Okay. Yes. So. So. Okay. There's the earth that's round. <laughs> so first I'm actually going to. Oh, I, I closed the website. What a moron. Hold on. History. Why aren't you loading? 
Okay, so this is coming from. Wow, my internet is slow tonight. Uh, Water's Edge Winery in Oklahoma City. Uh, the wine there is, uh, according to their website, made locally with the world's finest grapes. Water's Edge Winery, OKC, is a family-owned winery offering our own handcrafted wines from grapes gathered around the world. Each wine is blended. Shut up, I know I pronounced it badly. <laughs> That's really funny, though. Whale. Shut up, Megan. I'm sorry, but it made me think of a, you know, this is the earth round. Round. This is our Barolo. It's round. It's Dang, round. that is a sweet Barolo. Sorry. Sweet Barolo, you might say. <laughs> Each wine is blended, fermented, oaked, racked, filtered, and bottled right here in our Oklahoma facility. I'm looking at the waters at, uh, uh, featuring God damn it, I can't fucking talk today. Featuring 30 plus different wines and varietals, we're sure to have an offering that will embrace your palate in all capitals. The winery doors are open Wednesday through Sunday, featuring a full wine menu, including wine tasting flights and by the bottle. RSVPs are not required, so stop by and make yourself at home. After all, it's quote, after all, quote, it's just grape juice, end quote. Um I mean, technically they're not wrong. No, but... Doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement of their own product, Yeah, the, does it? it's just grape juice. Like, what? We make uh, our wines. We make many of the popular varietals, including Merlots, Cabs, and Chardonnays. We also make some harder-to-find wines, such as Barolos, Gewürztraminers, Pinotages, Petit Verdot, and Ports. We source grapes globally, which allows us to make over 50 different kinds of wines using grapes from the best-growing regions in the world. Places such as California, Italy, France, New Zealand, Chile, and Germany. They also do custom wines, I guess. I'm loading that up on the website. If it ever fucking loads! Custom wine! And exclamation points. <coughs> ever wonder how wine is made? Now you can be the winemaker and find out. Our process is no different from any other quality winery. However, like many winers, we don't grow our own grapes. Instead, we buy quality grapes from the finest award-winning vineyards around the world, blah, blah, blah. We invite you to be your own winemaker. We will assist you in creating your own private vintage of wine that you can later bottle, cork, and label. Each private vintage makes approximately 25 to 27 bottles and takes five to seven weeks to complete. Occasionally, our timelines may exceed years. So we created the Adopt a Grape program to better, to offer a better condensed experience, better suited for winemakers with immediate needs. Whether it's a special event or team building exercise, you can start now. And then actually has a timeline. And that's actually kind of cool. So by day 50, you've got your custom wine with bottle, cork, label, and you can stow it away for 90 whole months in a cool, dark place. Which is actually a pretty cool idea. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, as much as I make, make fun of this before we taste it, and we'll probably end up going, oh, we shouldn't have made fun of it. Because, I mean, so I'm assuming that if in order to call this a Barolo, they got the grapes from Barolo. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they made it the same as a Barolo, because we did talk about those criteria. Sure, sure. But, uh, you know, it's could still be Nebbiolo grapes from uh, Barolo, so we'll find out. 
as earlier said, let's remain cautiously yeah. optimistic. And, you know, here's the thing. Also, I forgot where I was going with that. Now, we've had good wines from very obscure off-the-wall places. Um, I mean, God, remember that fucking amazing Minnesota wine? Oh, yes, the Voyageur. And we were all thinking, like, oh, this is going to be horrible. Wrong. That was, yeah. So, you know, we've had great wine from surprising places. We've also had bad wine from surprising places. And I think we all are thinking of the same wine here. Head-to-head Chardonnay. The one-on-one short. No, that's not the one I was thinking of that we podcasted. Well, I'm thinking of the tomato wine. Oh God! Oh dear God, no! See, I don't even consider that wine. I just—that's just. Trying to think, I feel like there was something worse than that. What did I? There was something I hated. The dandelion wine wasn't that great. No, but I feel like there was something I hated even more. I feel like it was the one-on-one chardonnay that you really hated, but that was for. uh, the podcast that never got off the ground. Yeah, that was the, po- the podcast that would not be. Because I lost the recording. Because I'm so a moron. God, that, that was I don't remember there being another one that we podcasted that you hated nearly as much as that tomato one, though. Really? That I can that remember. That just, to me, tasted like relish, right? It tasted like Burger King water. Yeah. yeah. And the aftertaste oh, would not go away. <laughs> yeah, Talk about a lingering finish. Because you were okay with it for a while, and then you realized that the flavor didn't stop. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but I feel like that was, yeah, that must have been the one that, yeah, kind of tasted like just hot dogs, because it tasted like sweet relish. Yeah. And just was awful. But I feel like there was another one. But I, uh, maybe not. Was it the sparkling? Oh, I hated that one. I'm oh, pretty sure. Also from Oklahoma, the sparkling, Nebi- uh, not Nebbiolo, sparkling Norton. Uh, it's fizzy. Look at it. It's all fluffy. Yeah, there is a lot of air it's bubbles. Fluffy there, and it's fluffy up there, and it's not the size of your fluff. It's how you use it. Okay. So speaking of opera and wine, uh, so speaking of opera and wine, no, no, turn, 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 turn. I don't want to get sued. Oh, oh, that's right. Um, the there is a grape called Marzamino, which was mentioned in Mozart, one of Mozart operas, and that's uh, the last glass of wine this character has, who's a scoundrel, before he goes down to hell. He's like, I'll have a glass of Marzamino before I go to hell. Is that Don Giovanni? Yes. Ah, one of my personal favorites. So the good news for you, then, is that I finally acquired a bottle of Marzamino. Because I've always wanted to try it. 
Um, but I don't think we should have it there. And wow, there's bubbles. Yeah, I know. That's why I said you're foreign. It's fluffy. It smells awful. Oh dear. This smells like a Charles Shaw. It smells kind of milk chocolatey. Yeah. And a little bit of foot. Mmm, milk chocolate covered feet. <laughs> oh well, no. Boy. I don't want to drink it. If you don't want to drink it, my wine, you'll be sleeping with the fishes. Speaking of, I will read the back label here Godfather, red wine, Italian Barolo. Rich and tannic, acidic dried berries with notes of leather and tobacco. Have it with a cannoli and be made. I will let Megan critique the label. I think that now, size says it all. what happened with the last wine. That's true. It started out really awkward and off-putting, but it evolved into something really enjoyable. I want to revisit that, actually, yeah. I think, after this is over. As much as I love that Barolo, I'm curious about that one and how it's developed. But anyway. I mean... But yes, it initially smells like a Charles Shaw red. Yeah, it smells like... I it mean, also smells like something's gotten into their cellar, in all honesty. This is but. the smell that I imagine that Miles smelled on the wine in, in Frass Canyon in Sideways. Uh, I could see that. Yes. Sorry. But again, we haven't anyway. tasted it yet, and it, it might evolve, so... Wait. I mean, I never, I, I never liked the last one ever. That's. It never evolved for me. I, you know. Okay. I, I hate their logo. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but water, the water's edge water. Like, I'm sure it looks fine on other things, but their logo looks stupid with this label. They should have just omitted the their logo and put it on the back and left it there only and not put it on the front too because it's kind of ruining it now what I don't appreciate is that their godfather font looks very much like the font for um, that TV show that I don't care about that everyone on the planet fucking loves except for me and like three other people that one with dragons Game of Thrones oh Game yeah, of Thrones that one. yeah that one this looks like, doesn't that look like fucking Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah I'm seeing yeah, it. I like, see it now. Yeah. It's like they use the Game of Thrones font for the Godfather, which, no. No, it doesn't work. Um, I feel like I've hated labels significantly more than this one. It just doesn't, and the Water's Edge font just fucking kills it. Like, they could have maybe gotten away with it. I don't know, it's kind of, eh. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It doesn't, there's, they almost had a flow, but they kind of killed it somehow. And then there's a droplets of water that kind of look like saggy boobs. Although, to be fair, I think that's from this bottle. I know it is. That, that's what I said. It's just, it's, it's distracting. I think they actually, like, part of me, like, if it, if those drops, like, droplets fell a little differently, it could have almost looked like blood you know, like yeah. gunshots. Yeah. But I know it's just drops from the, and it just looks like setting boobs and it's making me giggle. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan. There's just, they almost had it. There's just things slightly off, which is, that, I mean, honestly, that's significantly better than other labels I've seen where they just completely fucking destroyed it. It's just, mm, 
that font. Like, I'm sorry, but Godfather and Game, Game of Thrones, Thrones does not work. Although, when you think of it, they were a bunch of crime families. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how all politics and that's how all royal families in Europe started. Basically, when you think about it. Makes me think of a cheesy hotel. Like, doesn't it on the front, in yeah. the red with the background, like, it looks like a cheesy hotel. James's face, by the way, is absolutely priceless right now. Because mm -hmm. this wine is not good. Mm. Oh, God. Oh, God, I have to try. Oh, no, I haven't actually sipped it yet. Oh, no, I'm scared. It smells so bad. Put this... Ew, I'm getting like a weird caramel smell now, too. Yeah, I'm getting that little hint of caramel. Oh! Definitely caramel. It's like a... It's like a Definitely caramel. residual sugar, too. Oh, God. Friends, this is not working for me. Oh, my God. I'm scared. I don't want to... You've got to... We've, we've all done it. We've done it. Grab our hands and jump into hell with us. Join us. Join us! Join us! Pippin has popped his head out of his shirt to say join us as well. See? Oh. oh yeah. No. It tastes like caramel. Like if they me melted some caramel into red wine. Burnt caramel. It, I'm not getting any characteristics of oak. I'm not getting oh. any tannins. No, no tannins. Oh, God. Strawberry. Shame. Shame on whatever Barolo winery sold fucking grapes or juice or whatever like that must have been the most like that must have been a garbage vintage and they were like we can't fucking make anything out of this shirt sell it sell it to the americans we're getting caramel with underlying passion fruit oh god yeah 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 that's so oh, weird in no. nebbiolo no 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 mm -mm. i'm even sure this is nebbiolo that's what i'm telling you i i think they're lying I think they're fucking lying. This does not taste like a Nebbiolo in any way. I'm not getting tar. I'm not getting roses. I'm not getting any floral character whatsoever. It's no, chocolate-covered caramel. With passion. strawberries and passion fruit. Yeah. And I don't even know what wine you might consider this to be. Like, It honestly makes me think of, and this is going to be bad, but it makes me think of shitty California Cabzin blends. Or worse, Even the Provisioner that. Red. It's starting to smell like butter now. Oh God. So not very integrated malactic either then. Mm. Sorry friends, thumbs down on this one. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not even sure I want to finish this. Yeah. I'm gonna go down to the general store and buy a bottle of rosé and wash the taste out of my mouth. Why do that when we have two other perfectly good Nebbiolos here? Oh, we're drinking more? Oh, no. We can! Fuck it, why not? I wouldn't say no to that. I just didn't know if you were saving them. No. Um, I, I'm just gonna do pictures of the bottles, I oh, think, okay, tomorrow. No problem. And I already got some pictures. Whoa, stop flashing me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the beacons of Gondor are lit! Oh! Okay, now it's Megan's turn. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am sorry, Water's Edge. This we never is... did uh, do this. No, I'm afraid. 
Yeah, actually, it makes it more acceptable. Okay. How so? Just kind of mutes all that awfulness. It tastes more. It's it's more, it smells more muted in this thing. It's starting to smell like a. See. Like Smarties. Not that one. The, not the. No, but you're right. There is definitely like Smarties on this. Like. Yeah, like I just strawberry as, Smarties. Like, as this opens up. But then uh, now I like, smell it. This I smell butter, like you said. Right. See, yeah. it's like a horrible butter smell. But like as I just I lean forward just now to smell, and it's not. Yeah, Smarties. Like. I'm sorry. Here. But there's such a weird butter, but like artificial yeah. butter. Yeah, like, margarine. Butter and carrot. I can't on believe it's not. On the palate. I can't believe it's not Barolo. Oh, fuck Barolo. Yeah, I actually like the smell of this in the the whatever this fucking glass is better. Uh, I need a dump bucket for this. I still get a little bit of butter to this one, but there's actually like a woodsy smell. Yeah. See, if the wine in this glass smelled like that in the special glass, I don't think this wine would be nearly as bad. Right, right. But something has gone wrong, either in the fermentation process or the bottle aging. And I'm just not a fan, and that's okay. You know, not... I think this wine would be great if you were in Oklahoma City and never tasted a Barolo and liked something sweet. I think if you were in that role and in that place, then you would like this. Unfortunately, we have been spoiled yeah. by, well, Barolo. Every wine ever. Yeah. Every other wine. But, uh, you know, I think that this could have been popular with a certain palate, and it's just not us. So you don't and I don't like it. You don't think it's flawed? Oh, God, it is. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's what I was wondering. Like, is it a flawed wine? Like, there was something wrong? Is the butter, is that buttery smell a, a, a documented wine flaw? So here's the thing. Yeah, it's it's malactic fermentation, but most reds are racked so much that you don't smell the butter anymore. Yeah, like, you shouldn't and smell And I think that this bread. has been racked too few times. It's not well integrated, and there may well other be... May well other be flaws. That sentence doesn't yeah, work. We understood what you meant. Yeah, there may well be other flaws, and it just, it's, it's not bready. And I've talked about Brett in a wine flaws episode that I've recorded that probably will air after this episode because what the fuck is time in quarantine anyway? <laughs> so I think I could sum up the verdict on this wine. Okay. Thus, thusly. I, I thought you were going to uh, play uh, the Mad Max mediocre. Because <laughs> <laughs> this wine is definitely actually this is less than mediocre. I'm afraid so. Actually, mediocre would have been a compliment to this wine. I'm not gonna go so far as hating it as I think Megan does. Although maybe it's because I'm better at. I don't like it. I, 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 screw it. I can't say really anything nice about this. Like, you went from I'm better at to never mind, I just don't like it. Yeah. You. I'm sorry, uh, Water's Edge. I'm sure you do great wines. This may well have been popular at one point in time, maybe popular with people in Oklahoma. Is there vintage on this? There is no vintage. Oh, that's right. Um, oh, but it's not good. my favorite, and I don't like it. I appreciate and thank David very much for bringing this back. Um, but he himself said... When did he bring it back? Uh, about a year ago. Okay. 
Um, so I can't imagine it was much older than that. No, I, I, but you know, David Delgado has a patent. He was like, I don't know if there's anything good in Oklahoma. It seems like everything is brought in grape-wise. Now it's and this was before uh, Whirlwind Winery is very kind. It's transformed uh, a bit since we first tasted it, but now it's just bland. It has no soul. It's just, there's just nothing there. Yeah. I'm sorry. This one. No, it, it is what it is. And if we don't like it, we don't like it. That's the thing, you know. We don't have to say something good about every wine that we've had. And I feel like, and some of the wines in our podcast, we've tried to say at least something nice about every wine that but we've had. I'd still drink this over one-on-one Chardonnay. Yeah. That was just... I will say I will say this for this wine. This is better than the one-on-one Bachelorette Chardonnay. Yeah. Just not Somebody should have gone to prison for that one. Oh, Ooh, God, that wine was horrible. That wine was so bad. I am very sad that that recording no, no longer yeah, exists. I'm sad too. So we're going to... We need to find some place to pour this. Hand me that glass decanter. Pretty, pretty, please. Yeah, now this wine just tastes absolutely dead to me. Tastes like butter and caramel. Butter, caramel, and bad chocolate sadness. and <laughs> sadness and That's maniacal that, laughter. That, yeah, that, not exactly. Okay. So. Oh, shit. Ew. On the floor and ew, it's existing in your house for the rest of forever, like my blood. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hand me? I need some ah napkins. Napkins will work. So I'm guessing you want the Barolo in your glass. Yes. Me? I was talking to you. Yes. Okay, I'm like, yeah, me, yeah. Well, hold, please. Let me rinse the... I'm definitely more open to the Mexican stuff. It really changed. Yeah. Would you rather do the Mexican wine in your glass for the toast? Yeah, uh, let's save the nice Barolo for Megan. Okay. After seeing her suffer from that last one, I think she deserves it. I think it hit her harder than it hit us. No, that was admittedly not a great wine. No. But I didn't even like the Mexican one. Like the Mexican one redeemed itself. Yes, I think it did. And that's... See, and I just it did not change to me at all. Like it was just kind of in like the entire time. <laughs> She's like Frank. And I was, like, initially, I was thinking maybe the Godfather would redeem itself too, but it really didn't. It just had this burst of bizarre awfulness, and then it just petered out into lifelessness. It was. So okay. Mexican for you in your yes. glass? Yeah, go ahead. Again, it reminds me of that lovely Zena Mavro. Yeah, I think I'm going to risk it, and I'm going to go for uh, the Mexican tea in my glass. Megan needs comfort wine. Yes, Megan there. does need comfort wine. Well, on that note, gang, uh, thanks again for coming, and this wonderful... Happy early birthday. Thank you. Yes, sir. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Cheers. Make America great again. This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona wine monk. You can reach us at makeamericagrapepodcast at gmail.com 
on Instagram at, at theazwinemonk or on Twitter at CVBurkett. Be sure to also check out our website, makeamericagreatagainpodcast.com. Okay, then we need to do that over again. We do? Yes. I didn't even hear anything. I did. So, on that note, gang, make America great again. Happy early birthday to me. Cheers, brother. Pippin has emerged from his cocoon. This has gotten much better even, too. Now, it's getting more like the Barolo, in that it's got that eucalyptus character.